0: Today's episode is about leadership, purpose, and customer service. From Engagement, I'm David Malay, and this is Flip the Switch. Today's episode is brought to you by Checked In, a new tool in your operations toolkit that helps you understand exactly who's working in your venue. It's one of the tech products the engagement team helped create during the pandemic, and with it, we set out to solve some of the key problems sports and entertainment operators face every day. The tool does a few things, from helping you gain more labor data to operate more efficiently and mitigate risk, and it also saves you time and headaches by automating the horrible check-in and credential approval process that has existed for so long. But my favorite part of Checked In, hands down, is that it's tied to a digital learning platform. Now, historically, training game day staff has taken place before the beginning of a season. But how do you train the workers that start mid season or the workers that just come in to work the big games, the big events? Well, this tool solves that issue. With Checked In, you can create and push training to your teammates digitally. And you can require employees to watch training videos before they're able to physically check in to work. Checked in has begun rolling out at some of the biggest stadiums in the country, and they're now opening up beta access on a limited basis. If you want to see how it works and get a demo, head to checkedin.app. That's C-H-E-C-K-D-I-N.app. We'll make it easy and link to it in the show notes. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience to find out what trends they're paying attention to, what experiments they're running, what lessons have they learned over the course of their career. And then we take those insights and we apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. If this is your first episode. Uh, this is going to be a fun episode for you, super conversational. And if you are returning to the show thank you so much we love you appreciate the support and appreciate you continuing to share all these episodes with your friends and colleagues today's guest we've got simon t bailey so a little background on simon uh, simon spent a lot of time with disney and Hyatt. While he was at Disney, specifically, he was at Disney Institute, where Kevin and I also spent a lot of time. At Disney Institute, he was a sales director for about seven years, and then he left. And since then, he's just been doing some brilliant things. He's written five different books, among them being Be the Spark and Brilliant Living, 31 Insights to Creating an Awesome Life. Simon really is one of the world's leading motivational speakers around purpose, leadership, and inspiration. So we're gonna talk a little bit about all of those things. And you'll hear as Simon talks, the lessons that he talks about, even though they're through the lens of business, uh, a lot of times they apply to personal life as well. Ultimately, this episode is really all about being the best leader that you can be and living your uh, best life, both personally as well as professionally. Little background on the actual episode itself, I was recording this episode in a hotel room the day of one of my best friend's weddings. So uh, I leave halfway through the episode and my good friend, Kevin Gober, who's on with us as well, he takes over the rest of the episode and drives it, just him and Simon. So I actually have no idea where the second half of the episode goes. I've been told it was great by our producer, Katie. So hopefully uh, that is the case. But uh, the first half of it, I'm there for it. It's me, Kevin, and Simon having some good conversation. I dip out halfway through, and Simon and Kevin take over from there. Uh, without further ado, let's jump in to this great episode with Kevin Gober, Simon Bailey, and me. All right. We're back for another episode. Uh, I'm joined by my, my old friend, KG, and my new friend, Simon Bailey, here. What's going on, guys? What hey, up, Malay?
1: Simon welcome man we're excited to have you on and chit chat a little bit today it's been a a minute Malay excited
0: I know I know let's jump in Uh, before we get started though with Simon uh, KG uh, we're official that uh, all star is in Atlanta is that right?
1: I can say it. Yes. All-Star. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll half smile because it's it's like a half, you know, All-Star. But hey, uh, no, All-Star is officially here. Uh, made the announcement yesterday. We're excited.
0: Love it. Love it. Well, let's, uh, while we're talking about All Star, that's a, a good transition to talk about our friend Simon, uh, and being brilliant and, uh, spark and all the different things that, that you've done since leaving Disney, uh, Simon, however many years ago that was 15 plus now, I think. Um, but yeah, why, why don't you start us a little bit up uh, about a t- talk to us a little bit about what you've been up to since you left Disney? Uh, because obviously you've had a, a, a tremendous career the last decade or so, uh, post Disney.
2: Yeah, we've worked with almost two thousand organizations in fifty countries, and one of the things that I've discovered what really makes organizations sizzle is number one, leadership; uh, number two, culture; and then number three, the power of consistency. Uh, so it's been great just to see those in almost fourteen to fifteen different industries across the world. I
0: love it. I, when you say you know
1: how we do, that. when you say consistency. Right, yeah. Can of elaborate a little bit more on that? Consistency with, with hiring practice, with training, with what leaders do?
2: What do you yeah. mean, Simon? So it's probably three buckets. First bucket is consistency in this is what we believe. These are our core values and we stick to them. Uh, consistency in how you onboard people. That's where you really embed the microchip. That's something that I learned when I did some work for Ritz-Carlton Learning Institute. And then the third thing is once you onboard people, people don't leave organizations. They leave clueless leaders that don't give a rip about people. So ensuring that people work for a leader who cares about them as a human being, not just a human doing. They're just not a number you know, in the payroll system.
0: Which of those, in your experience, do you feel like is the hardest? Because I think, obviously, working with a ton of different industries in different countries, you start to see some core principles emerge. Which of those do you think is the hardest across the board? Culture. Culture is the hardest thing because
2: uh, there's the culture of the organization, but then every team has a subculture That is created by the leader and that's just something you can't monitor it happens and and culture is not the mission and vision statement on the website of the organization
0: it's what lives in the head and hearts of those who are executing the work and it 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 feels like too i mean i know this from all of our background here at at disney institute right the time that we spent there It, it does feel like too as Hard as culture is, it's the thing that people spend the least amount of time on. Yeah. And that it just, it always comes by default instead of by design. And, And it just feels like it falls apart because people don't spend the amount of time focused on it. Yeah. And culture ties back
2: to leadership because leaders set the tone for the culture. So the job of a leader during this time is not to motivate people to work harder. The job of a leader is to invite men and women on a journey to find the leader within themselves while they're following you. So a leader can never take a person to a place that he or she has not been themselves. So leaders have to do the work. And then that creates the culture.
1: How do how have you advised organizations and leaders, Simon, right? In in that whole vein of what you just said, we want to unpack that a little bit, right? Yeah. So you, you've got a leader who is experienced, been multiple places, right? Done a lot of things. Uh, and how do they how do they get the buy in from their team and 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 I'll say transfer. Train. We're always talking training and development, transfer of knowledge. How do they transfer right that culture or that 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 uh, something that's embedded with them as leader into those that they lead? If that makes sense.
2: I was just sitting down with a leader last week who's taken over an entire organization, and one of the things that he shared with me that he did is he met with all 200 people that would ultimately report up to him. He said it took a long time. But he did it anyway, a quick 10 to 15 minute, tell me your name, tell me what's important to you, what's your hot buttons. And that's where it starts, that level of commitment that I want to make sure you succeed and I want to know what's important to you. Mm. When men and women have a leader that will sit across from them, obviously now it's via Zoom, that just for a moment knows a little bit about my world and that gives a care about who I am. That person will run through the wall. That person will run to the end zone of opportunity because that leader took a moment just to make sure that they mattered.
0: And if I, if I heard you right, the context of that meeting, too, was to really ultimately understand what their personal goals were. And if I'm the leader, kind of to s- decide how those personal goals align with the organizational goals. And is this person in the right fit and all the other things that come with that interview? Is that right? Yeah, totally. See,
2: where the world is right now, everything is flipped. So it's no longer this is what the top of the organization want. It's really what is the bottom of the organization really doing real time when they're closest to the customer. So leaders have to come down and say, where are you trying to go? Here's where I'm trying to go. How do we get there together?
1: You know, it's what we kind of said all along. You know, we grew up, I'm sure you and I did. We grew up in a world where customer is king, customer yeah. is always right, da, da 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 da. And, you know, we learned, I know we learned, I know I learned through my Disney days that uh, let's focus on the people. Sure. right? And in my retail sure. life of 13 years, I always said, you take care of the people, the people will take care of you. Because mm-hmm. as a general manager of retail, I wasn't always there in the stores. Right. And so the world has caught up to us. (laughs) You know, this world has caught up to us. It sounds like what you're saying. Uh, And so organizations you're saying then has to really uh, invest in and develop the leaders who will go right to the bottom line, the front line, which is the bottom line and motivate and 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 respect them. You're saying.
2: Yeah. Leaders are realizing that. Uh, employees are the bottom line, first and foremost, that employees are their number one customer. And it's more important what that employee says at the dinner table at home about that brand than the customer who's actually buying, because that's that's where it happens right there. You will never get employees to work harder for an organization than if they believe that their leader is working hard for them, paying them right, making sure they get the benefits and everything that is due to them. You don't even have to ask them to work harder. They'll automatically do it because they know
0: that leader is bought into them. So people first. Yep. We, we have some structured questions here, but we're not getting to any of them right now. And, I, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm totally, I'm totally fine with that because uh, we, we can go in so many of these little directions. Um, so, Simon, what you just said to r- reminded me of something that we've started talking a lot about, which is kind of this concept of genuine care and yeah. you know having it be more than benefits and pay. But those are like the baseline things. Like if you're yep. not meeting those things, it doesn't matter about all the other things that you do. Uh, But talk to us a little bit about how you see genuine care for employees coming to light right now in the pandemic, where you can't walk in and have that conversation about how the the kids are doing. And every Zoom meeting we do feels like it's super structured. There's none of that personal time to catch up. So I guess talk to us a little bit about how you see genuine care playing out right now in 2021. I think, first of all, to your point, taking time to ask people how
2: they are doing because we are all in the pandemic ocean, but everybody's in different boats. All the research says right now, according to the University of California at Berkeley, that burnout is gonna cost billions of dollars and organizations are gonna have to deal with mental health and people that just have anxiety. So the first thing that leaders really have to do is think about well-being is the new X factor with employees. What is the well-being of my employee, mentally and emotionally? And then the second thing is uh, organizations and leaders have got to kill the employee survey and even put performance reviews on hold performance reviews employee surveys that dog will not hunt anymore because people uh, have had a time to reflect at home and they're deciding wait is this still the business that believes in me and is going to allow me to put some points on the board and if i can't put points on the board in who I am as an individual because my spouse working at home, kids at home, taking care of a parent. They're like, they're checking out and say, wait a minute, I can go and work from home with another company and I don't have to live in that city. So now organizations have to begin to say, how do we move from performance reviews to career investment discussions? And the investment is moving from me to we, our investment in you as an organization and as an employee.
1: Hey, you know, I'll, t- I'll take a moment, you know, to elaborate on that and and give a shout out to a to a uh, a mutual colleague, Simon Cami uh, Mackey, our yes. chief people and diversity and inclusion officer at Atlanta Hawks and State Farm Arena. She's been putting together these well being sessions, these nice. mental health sessions, albeit via Zoom, right? Because that's the, the the best way we can connect. But it's been on a regular, it's been on a constant too. You know, in our world, call a timeout. Yep, And uh, take half time to really have some clinical uh, physicians come in, some of our Emory partners come in and talk about what you just said, Mm -hmm. Uh, our well-being, our mental health, our financial health. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even this afternoon, we're talking about our our cultural and ethical, uh, uh, if you will, health in being Black History Month and that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. please, please, listeners out there, take heed to that. It's about the well-being of us because- I move around a house in multiple rooms just to try to reinvent myself week by week.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, so it, it is important. So thank you for mentioning that, man. And and Cammy, when you listen to this, thank you for what you do for our organization.
2: And what you just articulated, a healthy employee is a more productive employee. Right. And and health happens on the inside out, yeah. not the outside in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Simon, something that you said just now made me think of something as well. I mean, you you talked about getting rid of the employee survey. Hmm. Um, What's what's the driving factor there? I mean, how how are you thinking about getting performance reviews makes sense. Employee survey, I I, I wanted to hear a little bit more about why you think we should get rid of that right now.
2: Yeah. So think about it for a moment. The employee survey comes out once a year and there's this offsite meeting of of teams because the boss is just now basically got chewed out in the employee <laughs> survey. So because his butt is on the line, he's gonna say, okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, who said this, here's what we're gonna do. They're gonna have flip chart sheet paper all over the room and they're gonna hold hands and sing kumbaya and because they just had a good team huddle. And then all of those plans that they created out of the employee survey is gonna go in the bottom of somebody's drawer until the next employee survey. So what the employees have learned to do is to trick the survey because they don't want to sit in an offsite meeting with an upset leader who is telling them, okay, you got to answer the question this way. What do we need to do? And it's putting a Band-Aid on a problem. So there's a company out of the Silicon Valley, disclaimer, I have no affiliation, no connection with them, but I love their work. They're called Tiny Pulse. And what Tiny Pulse allows you to do is to do a mini survey weekly and everyone can see the dashboard as to where are we on x issues it's better to solve things when they're a little puppy instead of waiting to it's a german shepherd and it bites you so that's why i say employee surveys especially now because of the pandemic it's too slow you need to know immediately what is the pulse of the culture and what can we fix right now not six months nine months later
0: uh so katie can you can we pull up uh in the show notes, let, let's try to put together like a list of different pulse company, pulse survey companies, because where, where Simon's going on this, I think, is, is so key. That, like, I, I mean, not only that, the employee survey just takes forever to get results back, it takes forever to get approved. Right. It, it's it's so broken, but I it love it. It takes the forever
1: to develop the action plans, oh, and go through the action plans, oh, yeah, forever.
0: Uh, no. so, and, uh, <laughs> but but the Pulse surveys that you just hit on, Simon, are definitely things that people should be investing in right yeah. now. Yeah. And if, if nothing else, it gives you a, an excuse as a senior leader to communicate every week and hold you accountable to it. That's it. People
2: want communication. Where there is a void of communication, people will fill in the blank and make stuff up.
1: Yep. Yeah, we all we always learned that uh, you know, when we taught uh business courses through Disney Institute, you know, where people lack training and understanding, they'll improvise and I'm gonna say it, they screw stuff up. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh this this is this is probably gonna take us into a dead end, but I have to I have to say this. Uh Kevin, were you there the one time we did an employee survey internally at Disney Institute? And it was just a crap show the way that we facilitated it internally, like I, I don't I probably it was, most was on the road process I've ever done and I'm, from that point on I was like pulse surveys are the way to go. I I was
1: probably on the road but but
0: uh you know I, it was just you, so uncomfortable like yeah. sitting down and reviewing it with the senior leaders and you're just like all right pulse survey
1: Nobody wants to speak up. And, you know, and again, to your point, Simon, it's it's biannual or annual. And you haven't heard me from 12 months ago. Right. Uh, But the Pulse survey, we talked about this several years ago when I was in Miami. Right. Each day when I log in, something's being asked to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it might be traffic. It might be my mood. It might be whatever the case may be. And I know how to interact with you if I'm your leader and those kinds of things. So really, really good thing. So Pulse Surveys.
0: Let's uh, let's switch topics a little bit here. Um, Simon let, let's talk about Spark. I mean, your your latest book. Uh, you, you talk a lot about this concept. You mean this K- book? K- KG's got it in his hand. Oh man, right there. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about what does Spark stand for. Talk to us a little bit about that framework and how organizations might be able to apply it.
2: Yeah, Spark is an acronym that stands for See them as guests, personalize the experience, anticipate their needs, respond immediately, be uber responsive, and then keep them loyal with acts of kindness. And I put Spark together because after working with all these organizations, I said to my instructional designer who used to work at Disney University and Disney Institute, uh, Debbie Lynn, I said, what do we see in all of these interviews that I've done, you know, with people over the last 18 years or so? And one of the things we continue to see, every organization had a man or woman that was the spark. They had that joy in their heart, that fire in their belly, that happiness in their eyes, that the moment a guest or customer came into their quantum field, let me just go West Coast on you for a second. They came into their quantum field, that company or business or organization had transferred psychological ownership to that staff person, and they became the spark for that customer. People don't buy a business, they buy people. And it's in that no like and trust in the first three to seven seconds that if that spark happens, it ignites a blaze. So that's the whole impetus of spark.
1: Amazing uh, stuff. And you just said something that um, I'm sure you've said it many, many times before. And and let's go there. How 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 have you broken that down to make people not shy away from it or or receive it? You said people. Customers, guests, fans, whoever, clients,
2: they buy people. Yeah. How do, how do you uh, unpack that a little bit for us? So so go back to our Disney experience. I don't know about you, but for me, it took me two years to get hired at Disney, 10 interviews and a uh, six page analysis from the Gallup organization, a Gallup profile. And eventually Disney hired me. But think about what they used to teach at Disney Institute in the theme park industry, Disney had less than 20% turnover. Now, how did they get there? It's because they took time to hire, right? So in other words, they begin to hire men and women just like us who already had that little something extra, that that spark, that want to. Uh, the other thing I realized that that men and women who have the spark, they quit their job and they go to work because a job stands for just overboard. Uh, when you go to work, it's not about uh, it's not about what I'm getting. It's about what I'm becoming. So what I'm seeing organizations do right now that really understand this whole Spark philosophy is that they have men and women that are intrapreneurs. So they are looking at. How do I cross train? Not because I got a tap on the shoulder from the manager. How do I cross train and begin to help the organization? So when I have that spark mindset, I don't chase promotions. Promotions chase me because you will work yourself out of the job because you have that old school hustle inside the organization.
1: Cool. Cool. That's perpetuating great people throughout the organization. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Simon, when you're, when you're talking about Spark, I mean, I know you, you obviously tour the world giving keynotes around Spark. How, how much work do you do actually diving in with some of these organizations to apply that framework? I think you do a, a decent amount of that as well. Yeah, right? yeah I've had a couple of organizations that have asked me to hang
2: tight with them and go deeper. And we bring in folks and train them and everything. So that's been lots of fun. What, hey, look, D- oh, David, go ahead, go ahead.
1: David, I'll have to say, though, a part of what Spark, in bringing it to life, is the laugh? <laughs> he's he's wow. Simon's got this laugh that sparks the crowd.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, I love to have fun. I, I don't. I don't. I don't work anymore. I play. And I just it, get paid to play. <laughs> it, it's something that is like. I mean, not to go off on a tangent on this, but I definitely think that the more fun that we can have in the workplace, and the less serious that we can be. Like, yeah. I, I, so I'll, to set the scene for everybody, I'm in a hotel room right now. I'm at my getting ready to go to my best friend's wedding. I'm sharing the room with my brother and I'm going to knock on him. And I don't know if he's going to listen to this or not, but so he, I listened to him take a call this morning and I'm like, dude, that was the stuffiest call I've ever heard. And (laughs) I I just, I think the more fun and like less serious that we take ourselves, the more that we can actually infuse that spark into our different organizations. Um, But Simon, I, I guess, tell me what's the biggest challenge actually going in and working on this stuff because again like it's great to hear it on a stage and I think people can walk away thinking differently and be inspired but when push comes to shove and you actually get into the organizations and you start trying to really embed this into the naysayers minds and, and all that, it, it's hard work to do it uh, try to do this change alone. so how do you how have you approached that? Um, what are some of the successful ways that you've seen to get other people infused with that spark in your organization once they're already there?
2: Yeah, one of the things is to early on identify a champion who totally gets it. Uh, a champion at the executive level who says, this is just not flavor of the month. This is just not bestseller book of the month. This is a way of life. And he or she gets it. That's the first thing. Then the second thing is, and it goes back to what I talked about consistency, quick little story. Um, There's a hotel called the Langham Hotel in Chicago. If you went to TripAdvisor or Expedia.com, they would be ranked number one in Chicago and have been since they've been opened almost seven years ago. And I discovered why they're number one. Uh, happened to be staying at the hotel they had just opened and they're taking me into the fitness center to work out. And I noticed this flip chart sheet of paper on the back of the door um, that the public doesn't see, but employees see, And it says chasing consistency and it had everything listed. And I said to the security guard at 6 a.m., what is this? He said, in order for us to be number one, everybody has to chase consistency. And then I got it because from the uh, top of the house to the bottom of the house, front line, they understood the power of chasing consistency. So once you introduce Spark, it has to be that consistent every single day focused on making it happen. But then the third thing is to really understand what gets measured is what is transformed. So how do we measure how we're doing and and holding ourselves accountable to make sure Spark is
0: something that lives in our head, our heart and our hands? Two, two huge things. Uh, and I, I got to run here in a second, but I, I want to unpack it real quick. I think that KG, I think that's the biggest challenge with sports teams is that consistency level that we try to turn it on for game day. But then when it's not event day, it's like, it doesn't exist. Right. And, and it, for, if you're an organization that throws events and put hosts, hosts events and does things like that. I mean, if you just try to turn it on a, one day a week, two days a week, you're going to fail. It, it, you can't turn it on like that. Uh, yeah. so that, that, that's just one takeaway I wanted to throw in there. I mean, Simon, have you seen organizations that try to do that? <laughs> they try to turn it on for part of it and they do. Yeah. And then it just kind of nose thighs, you know,
2: they flatline, uh, yeah. because of that inconsistency.
0: Yeah. T- talk, uh, I'm actually going to jump and, and leave you guys. Uh, but KG, Simon, it's been awesome. You guys keep rolling. Uh, I want I'm excited to hear a little bit more about what you have to say about, Managing the metrics and and actually holding people accountable to it, like you just said, cool.
1: So, so a lot of things, man, and and we could go probably all day, but I know we <laughs> won't. We won't. But but again, that consistency, right? And and we talk about sports teams and how we host games. I mean, we're hosting the All Star game here in in Atlanta, right? So you would think that oh, people are going to ramp up and get really excited, right? So. How do you how have you advised leaders, organizations in those, I'll say, down times when it's not an all star weekend right? and when it's not a game day or what have you to maintain that high level of performance and consistency? What what's been your advice?
2: So one of the most popular brands there in the ATL is Ritz-Carlton, uh, Ritz-Carlton Buckhead that was there for many years. It's now you know, Boston. I was
1: going there in a little bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously Ritz-Carlton, what Ritz-Carlton does, which is so brilliant, is in almost 50 of their hotels around the world, every day, all three shifts, they talk about years ago, it was the 20 basics. Now it's the 12 basics. And they just take one basic per shift and they do storytelling around how does this basic core value of we are ladies and gentlemen serving, ladies and gentlemen, how does this live today? And they do it every single day. That's why when Ritz Carlton went for the Malcolm Ballridge <clears throat> Award, they won it two times, five years apart. It's because the consistent behaviors and actions didn't change every shift, every day. Every person has got to share. So, what is that value? What does it, uh, how does it live? And what's the story? And when you do that every single day, you have embedded the chip. People get it and people live it, not just when it's All Star weekend.
1: Man, you got me, you got me to the point of some confessions, Simon. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna confess, man. Like in my early days of Disney, uh, working at the Magic Kingdom in the Emporium in retail, and, and you know, I'm Phil Holmes. He would say, hey, don't worry about revenue. Don't worry about sales. Worry about the people. And I want to hear about these basic stories and do basics walks, our leaders would say. And I'll, I'll have to say, here's the confession. My first few weeks and months, I was like, this is foo, foo, fluff stuff. I'm in retail. I've been a general manager in retail for 13 years. We got to sell stuff. Right. <laughs> and, and it was a while when I realized, you know what? Yeah, let's talk about safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. Let's bring fun to life. Let's create happiness. This feels good. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> as someone outside of the uh, the Disney family said, he's like, "Oh boy, you've drank the Kool Aid." And, and I said, blood. "You know what? That was my first real glimpse, man. Back in two thousand eight. It's not Kool Aid. It's culture. You yeah. know. And and so that that is really tell the stories." Do storytelling around. That's how those guiding principles and those uh, 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 core values, they sink in and become a reality, I would assume.
2: Totally. Yeah. yeah, And then people buy into it, not because they have to, but because they want to. Yeah. And it's yeah. that that want to buy yeah. into it. You say drink the Kool-Aid. I say sniff the pixie dust. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Regardless, it works, people. It works. Mm-hmm. Hey, so, so, so let's stay with that, man. Uh, I, one of my brothers and I, we talk all the time and, and we talk about scenarios of just a, a rough title. Dear Younger Me. Mm-hmm. Dear Younger Me. Right. So think about the younger, the 19 year old Simon right? Nervous as hell, uh, taking the Marta up to Buckhead, okay? <laughs> and going to see, let me see if I see his name right, Mr. Starrows, Staros? Yes, okay? Staros, yes. Going to see him at Ritz Carlton, shaking in your boots, didn't know what the hell you're going to say. Um, what now? First of all, you got to tell the listeners about how that transpired and what the result was. And then I'd like to know what now would you tell, if anything different, that 19 year old
2: Simon? Yeah, so quick snippet I was <laughs> offered a job uh, to go and work for Ed Starros. And at that time, Ritz Carlton Buckhead was the flagship property within Ritz Carlton chain. And this is just when they had started. And I was offered the job to be a night manager, and I turned it down because I was working at Days Inn, making $5.10 an hour. So I was kind of in a daze in mindset. I didn't understand Ritz Carlton. You know, I thought they were going to ask me, would you please pass the great coupon? You some, know, I, some, I, I don't
1: know. <laughs> look, some people would say you were in a daze. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I turned it down. So what I would tell myself now, number one, be confident in who you are. Number two, take a page from Ritz and say, yes. Now, what's the question? <laughs> That's
1: yeah. what I You know, that's that's something, man, because as as I was, you know, I had I reviewed that before. Uh, but as I was reviewing that again, man, your personal story and right days in Ritz Carlton, you know, some people would say, you know, if, if that was me back in the day, my grandma would have said, what's wrong with you, boy? <laughs> 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 you know, but yeah. I think the lesson in that is there's things that shape our lives. Right. Yeah. Uh, and shape us as leaders, and adds to our story. That has to happen, totally. Right, totally. that has to happen. So, would you do anything different?
2: Oh, you know what? When I look back now, absolutely not, because I don't think I would have had the experiences that I've had thus far. Yeah,
1: yeah, amazing, amazing stuff, man. Um, and so, uh, and and then it turned out that you still ended up working yeah. with teaching. Right. Uh, folks at the Ritz-Carlton. Right. So yeah. you, it, it turned out that you are a gentleman. <laughs> yeah. it, it came full circle. <laughs> yeah. So 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 again, all that said, right. You know, be the spark. One of the quotes in your book, man, says, you know, when you find your spark, you find your joy. And when you find your joy, you find your freedom. And when you find your freedom, you find your fill in the blank. spot. What what is that they're finding? What because they're not necessarily they don't know they're on this journey.
2: Yeah. Right. So when you find your chutzpah, you're finding your voice, you're finding your words, you're finding that confidence to begin to speak from this deep place of yes, I can do this, I can make a difference, I can add value. Uh, but it's first of all realizing that it's not about a job. Uh, in fact, I'll say something that might be a little contradictory. There are no more jobs available uh, during this time. Only, opportunities. Yeah, only we like con- opportunities. We like
1: contradictions and contradictory statements on this podcast.
2: Yes. Yeah. The only opportunities. So when you have that type of mindset, you become scrappy. You find your inner Alan uh, Iverson, your AI, and you get after it and you go for it. You don't let anybody that's seven feet stand in front of you and prevent you from doing what you need to do.
1: And that's amazing, man, because along that journey, and just in that paragraph, right, or sentence, that's a journey, right? I'm I'm excited, my spark. I see guests, right? I'm personalizing things, right? I'm anticipating, I'm going through the process of spark. But in the midst of doing something for others, I find joy, I become free. I become more confident. And 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 I think we really need to look at uh, you know, this is I think a controversial controversial statement or or words as well, the servant leadership. Yes. Right? We really need to get back to what the essence of that is. It's not, it's not servitude, it's not bondage. It's I'm doing something for others Mm -hmm. to free myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Totally. okay. Yeah. So, so here's a question, man. Something that we we also used to talk about at Disney Institute, where we would right, go on the road and we share all these business practices and best practices. And we talk about a doll over in the mud and how we returned them home miles away. And we would then say, we're not asking you to adapt, right? What we do, right? You know, but adopt it uh, to, to your organization, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I might have said that wrong? Not adopt. Don't do what we do at Disney because everybody's not Disney. Everybody doesn't have a castle. But how do you adapt it to your organization? So when you think about the essence of Spark and the essence of consistency and values, how have you shared with leaders and organizations, adapt some of
2: these best practices, not all, yes. to fit you? What's what's the what's the blueprint, if you will? Well, the first thing that I tell people are the principles of Spark are timeless But the operationalizing and the activation of them will be localized based on the context, the culture, the organization, the industry. So take the principles and say, what does it look like in our world? And that's what we've been able to do with so many different organizations who get the essence of it and say, "Okay, here's how it works for us with their tweak. Mm With
1: their tweak, put their spin on it. Okay, because we're gonna put that Southern hospitality on the All-Star game in a couple right. of weeks.
2: <laughs> we know everybody in Georgia is gonna understand the power of sweet tea. <laughs> sweet tea
1: and and lemon pepper wings and and barbecue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 gonna be a fun time, man. Um, you know, we could go on and on. Um, but but Another question, right, for us to unpack, because a lot of organizations that I have found, and and I help a lot of organizations build it. And and what David Millay does with engagement, right, helps them build, if you will, or bring to the surface their purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, how have you guided organizations to to build a purpose? Right. What are they there for? It's not a a job. What do you say a job is?
2: A job stands for just overboard.
1: Just overboard. How do you get people excited, right? And and and
2: finding their true north. Well, we start with the once upon a time, the whole essence of why an organization started. Uh, and so, for instance, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, so I'm going to talk about the Bills because so you had a great year. <laughs> that's right. It has been because I was born and raised in Buffalo. But when you look at the Buffalo Bills to join the organization is to go back and talk about when ralph wilson bought the team before he sold it when he bought the buffalo team and how the team has been a part of the buffalo community when you tell an employee that's going to work for the bills that they are a part of something bigger than just a sports team that your purpose is to make uh being a buffalo bills come alive and really make bills mafia uh, mean something now i 'm just not joining an organization to do a job, collect tickets, you know direct cars, serve at the concession stand. I am not a part uh, i 'm a part of bill 's Mafia and it runs deep. It lives in the head and the heart and the hands so now I have a purpose when i 'm serving a drink for the one hundredth time i 'm doing it with a smile. Let me take uh, just a, a diversion just for a second. A uh, young lady was working at Starbucks. She loved being a barista and a regular customer came in and said to her, you pour coffee every single day. And the barista said, no, I pour happiness. Mm. And it was just that shift to yeah. understand that my purpose is to pour happiness. That's why I invite organizations to, uh, help under, uh, help all of their employees understand that customer service is a department, but customer love is a mindset. And when you have that customer love mindset, that's the spark. That's the poor happiness. That's the Bills Mafia. I'm a part of something bigger.
1: Yeah, don't 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 rough ride the mic there. <laughs> yeah, I saw you getting fired up, man. No, right? it, it, and, and that's that's true, because I tell people when I and, and I'll ask some questions around this onboarding. Right. When you put on that badge. Now, I was I was fortunate enough to be a uh, traditions facilitator. Right and and for our listeners, traditions was our we'll call it onboarding our yeah. new hire orientation, right? But it was traditions, the heritage, the history, the excitement, the culture, all about about Disney. And I would tell them in that session, and yeah, I went off script sometimes, but I said when you get this name badge and put it on because there was a ceremony around the name badge, Mickey himself would bring the name badges to the room, right? And when you put this on, it's not about you anymore. Yeah, It's, it's oh. bigger than you. And so that's what you're saying with with, with the ma- mafia there, right? With Buffalo Bills, you know, it's, it's not about you. So we have to, I think going back to the beginning, our leaders have to really believe that, buy into that and instill that into those that are coming into the organization. Yes. Um, and, and so with that said, what, what's your take on, man? What what would you see? Because we got to get people, and you say it in the book as well, we've got to get people emotionally connected,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. How would you advise our organizations? You know, David works with a lot of, you know, colleges and universities. Of course, I'm in professional sports. You work with team, uh, uh, organizations all around the world. How would you say in that first I don't know, 15 to 30 days that you draw on people's heartstrings to get them locked into that mafia mentality?
2: Yeah. Number one, storytelling. Uh, What we have to realize, facts tell, but stories sell. And when leaders understand the power of story selling, I'm, I'm extracting stories from people every single day. Go back to our Disney experience. The moment they told us at Disney University, the once upon a time of how Walt... Was flying over florida back in the early uh late 50s early 60s bought up land through a series of dummy companies and that when he died december fifteenth, nineteen 1966 somebody said to roy it would have been great for walt to be here to see this today and roy said he did see it all of a sudden, that storytelling, you're like, oh my God, I will stand (laughs) on Main Street USA in July and August and say, welcome to Disney, because I'm a part of the story. So Mm -hmm. what executives have to think about, keep it simple, go back to storytelling, extract those stories Mm -hmm. as to what it looks like, because the more you can paint a picture of, of where you want people to go, you now cross the bridge together because the story creates trust. And once you have trust in the story, it's not difficult to get people to go the extra inch to create value and to be high performers.
1: Wow, that's amazing, man! And the the one thing that stood out because I know that whole scenario with Disney and Walt and Roy, but you said story selling in that yeah. as well, right? Because yeah. because people are intrigued. We we you know how many how many. uh I don't know, my wife, she's Netflix and Hulu. She streams so much and she's got all of these series that she watched this series and watch that series. Right. And and everything. And it's the story that you get lost in. That's right? it. So so you're saying organizations have to tell their story up front and get people lost in the story and maybe even get people to be a comma character in the story. Yeah.
2: Yes. Right. Get people to see themselves in the story and ask people, so what did you hear? What did you see? What can we do? What does this mean to you? Now you're emotionally engaging them. So I created a work called emotionology, which is the art and science of creating a memorable moment. Now you're engaging me in a story that's not about me. It's about we. And it's in the we-ness that people begin to say, oh my goodness, here's what we can do.
1: Wow, that's a that's a huge, huge nugget. Uh, I think, you know, I love having these conversations, man, because it it puts it all together. Right. 28 years of leadership in multiple organizations like yourself. Right. right? I think that's what brings about the consistency. Right. right? I'm in the story. I want to be a, a main character. Right. And I want to let my story even be told. Right. You know, exactly. and, and you get people hooked, you get people bought in and that emotional that emotional connection is real.
2: Oh, it's right. neat. It really <laughs> neat <laughs> for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah, that emotional connection is real. So with that in mind, how much, even in this virtual setting, man, how much and have you heard any stories of like virtual onboarding or virtual? I talked about traditions, virtual traditions and right, how do how companies you advising companies to do that today?
2: Yeah, I'm advising remote leaders to, first of all, kind of start with a gratitude. What is everybody most grateful for? Because we realize that during this time, some have been furloughed, laid off, mm-hmm. and those who are still working have survivor's remorse. So mm-hmm. uh, really tapping into what are we most grateful for? Then the second thing, and might to- seem totally out of school, because children are at home, family members are at home, take it a moment. Hey, introduce us to your family, the dog, the cat. The fish because that is a part of a person's world and we don't want them to feel ashamed that they can't allow us to be introduced to their world. But I think the third thing is taking that time to say what went right this week and what would it be like to come off of Zoom and pick up an old school telephone and call somebody on the phone? Uh, And just say, how's it going? How are you doing? Uh, A few weeks ago in LinkedIn, I launched something called the Handwritten Note Challenge. And I ask leaders to write handwritten notes to their team members. I know it's so 80s, but can I tell you, when a person gets a personal handwritten note with a stamp on it, they Mm -hmm. savor it, they hold on to it, and they talk about it because nobody else does that. So for leaders to begin to write a note to a person just saying, here's how I appreciate you and I value who you are, that is like a message in a bottle. That's like a carrier pigeon to the soul to say, my leader, my executive, Sees me and I'm still valued. That is that is that is so so true. And I'll share
1: an example. Uh, so 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 my role at, at, at Atlanta Hawks and State Farm Arena is arena wide employee experience and learning and development. And some of the things that we've done over the past I don't know eight months, if you will, is we would send you a birthday box. Wow. Right. So a little but bo- literally a box, with birthday cards, some Skittles and Snickers and popcorn and and that kind of stuff to your home for your birthday. Wow. We also would send anniversary boxes. Right. So if you're celebrating a milestone, five, 10, 15, 20 years as a as a frontline worker now. Frontline yeah. worker. Right. Um, th- we would send those boxes home and some of the feedback via video. Right. Via via uh, quick messages has been amazing. Wow! Right? Just to receive something in the mail—that's it it. it. it is amazing, man. And you, again, you continue to build. I'm going to keep on this word: consistency. Yes, right. Consistency yep. with them wanting to be a part of the story uh, and contributing—you know—to the story. Um, I'm going to let you free flow here for a second, man. And you know, in all of the conversations you've had, the keynotes you've done, the trainings you've done, the engagements you've had. What would you say are probably the top two things you want our listeners out here you know to take away
2: Uh, corporations and businesses don't have ideas people do and the moment you invite people to be a part of a solution uh, what you realize as an executive you don't have to have all the answers you have to tap into the brilliance that's in the room harvard and the research says that teams that have a diverse point of view solve problems faster. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. How do we really tap into the genius and the brilliance in the room? Uh, The second big thing that I would encourage uh, organizations and businesses and certainly sports teams to really think about is we are now in what I am calling the spark age. So gone are the days when people just show up to do a job and they're there because of a paycheck and benefits. What the pandemic has done, it's given people the opportunity to reflect on, does my life matter? What's most important to me, and because COVID may have taken some loved ones out that you didn't get a chance to say goodbye to, the last thing you want to do is go and work for an organization that is going to burn you out and does not care about you as a human being. So this ability to let people know that we care, we share, we want to help make sure you learn and earn. And here's why that's important. The U.S. Department of Labor says that right now, millennials will probably have 30 to 40 jobs in their lifetime just with all of the different. Changes Right. So what organizations and businesses have to say for the time that you're here, we're going to make sure you get the best training and you have the best experience, because once you leave our organization, you become an advocate for our business and and others will will want to be a part of it because of you.
1: Yeah, You know, that, that's funny because that's a different mindset. Whereas, you know, in our day, you know, it was, hey, you signed on. We're lucky to have you looking. What's your five, 10 year plan? Yeah. Right, and the mindset yeah. has changed when you leave this company. Totally. <laughs> right? We want you to be a raving fan of this organization, tell people what you've learned and how this organization grew you. And, 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 and we need to embrace that, I think, as organizations. So that's very powerful, man. Uh, giving people what they need to be successful as they move on, because I think that too is that emotional connection and totally. that too adds to the story. Uh, and hey. If they can, if they can spread the spark, right? The spark becomes warm. The heat becomes a fire. And, okay, I won't stop. You know, <laughs> hey, so Simon, it's it's been a it's been a pleasure, man, uh, chatting with you uh, today. And uh, again, you know, for all of you out there that are tuning in, whether it's professional sports, whether it's not sports at all, whether it's college and universities, whatever your organization is. You know, find your spark is what I learned from Simon today and perpetuate that spark so that it becomes a huge flame, you know, in the think tank room and in the uh, in the boardroom, right, wherever it is, man. So, hey, uh, appreciate you much. And uh, thank you for uh, joining us today, man. So, uh, everybody, until next time, uh, in the words of David Millay, we'll see you out there. And my words, KG, talk to you soon.
0: Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.